Welcome to Archiving AK, a podcast of the Archives and Special Collections at the UAA APU Consortium Library in Anchorage, Alaska. We're here to talk about what we do, what our researchers are up to, and to give you a closer look at the world of archives. This month on Archiving AK, we're doing a doubleheader. This past year, Gwen and Veronica have both applied for and received grant funding for projects here at the Archives. First up is Gwen to talk about her grant project, a series of statewide guides to archival resources on Alaska topics. Let's start out and talk a little bit about what uh, kind of the need for the project was and the products that we were producing for it. Um, sure. So the project that I sort of worked on and led um, was cross-library subject access to Alaskan primary sources. <laughs> That's um, a long <laughs> So basically, it was a grant-funded project to create a number of topic guides that would provide sort of basic information about collections on a variety of topics that are often researched that are held in collections and archives throughout the state. Mm -hmm. So the need for this is that Alaska is a huge state. It's really difficult to sort of go to multiple archives uh, within the state Right. And there hasn't always been a lot of communication between the archives about what the other archives in the state have. So this was just kind of a way to bring together archival resources on some commonly researched topics. And hopefully uh, the guides will be useful for not only people looking for archival collections in Alaska, but also for the archivists and librarians who are directing researchers to those collections. I've already gotten into them a few times for researcher purposes, saying, go look here, you're researching this topic. It's not comprehensive, but it's a pretty good starting point. Oh, great. Yeah, no, (laughs) within the last two weeks, I've already done at least one, possibly two. Um, So, yeah. I'm sure you have a list of the topics we've done, not that we're not going to point people to the site where they're hosted, but um, do you want to talk about these topics, what they were? So the topics were chosen kind of based on our observations about uh, what topics people were interested in and also talking to other archives throughout the state. We have guides for the Alaska Highway, and I do not have a list oh, okay. right here. That's right. Um, Alaska Highway, Anthropology, Health and Medicine mm-hmm. in Alaska, Performing Arts, Mining, Alaska Native Organizations, Fishing, fishing yeah. and Fisheries and Canneries, Military in Alaska, right. Petroleum Resources in Alaska. Right. And you gotta be close. You mountaineering. Know. Mountaineering, yeah. And I think there are two more. I think there were twelve altogether that we completed. Mm. So that's just a, right. a taste of. And those are some of the most common kind of broad subject areas that we see. Obviously, there's people who come in and do research that 
you know, have some particular angle on one of those topics or something that isn't covered by those topics at all. Whaling was one of the Whaling other Whaling was one of the Sorry. other two. <laughs> With the second yeah. we started talking and about. And the Alaska, or not the Alaska Railroad, but railroads in Alaska right. in general. So right. I think we got them all there. There. Well, yep. we'll, we'll put a link on the blog <laughs> site that indicates where you can find the whole list. So, as you said, sometimes identifying who's got what, even for us, can be a challenge because we don't necessarily know where anything is. Why don't um, you talk about maybe one of the guides that you specifically did and what it took to kind of compile it? Okay, um, so I'll talk a little bit about the... Well, the petroleum one was interesting. Okay. Because it started out just being the Trans-Alaska Pipeline System. Mm -hmm. And so to start out, I identified archives and other organizations that would have collections relating to the pipeline and its history. And then I started by going through all of their through discovery tools, so that could either be uh, an online catalog or just a list of collections on their website. And then after I compiled that list, I emailed the contact people or the reference desk at each of those institutions and asked if there was anything that they would add or subtract from the list. Mm -hmm. And then I had finished that. And I know you were working on the mining guide. And we discussed it. Yeah, because technically petroleum (laughs) is mining. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But I think we kind of decided that people would be more likely to look for petroleum related collections and Trans-Alaska pipeline collections together rather than having them separate. Then I I used what you had already researched about collections mm-hmm. relating to petroleum extraction and then went through <laughs> went through the process again basically. Right, right. <laughs> um, with the addition. With the <laughs> yeah. um looking that- for petroleum related collections in the places that you hadn't already looked contacted the people again. Right. Um, So that was one where our initial idea, kind of after looking at what was around, got revised and um, kind of reworked. Mm -hmm. So. Was there anything about the process that surprised you? Because I know there were a few things as I I was going through other people's holdings. And, you know, I just had this mental image that they would either have more or less than they did and suddenly to discover something that was that I just didn't know that I thought for years I knew about somebody's another archives holdings and I was just wrong. <laughs> yeah. That kind of struck me too. Yeah, I, I expected some places to have more about certain topics than they did. I don't know that I was surprised in the other direction. I actually was a few times with the state archives and this is silly because I've worked for a state archives, so I know that the collections touch upon absolutely everything mm-hmm. in a state. And there were a couple of topics I did that it never even occurred to me initially to to contact the state archives. And then I kind of sent out an all call. Mm-hmm. And suddenly our colleagues over there responding going, well, we have this, this, and this. And I was just sitting there horribly embarrassed 
because I should have known or I should have asked and it hadn't occurred to me. So <laughs> Well, I think that's archives in general. <laughs> that's like, true. Sometimes it doesn't occur to people that what they want to look at might be in an archives. Right. I think one thing that definitely surprised me about the process was how different all of the different <laughs> archives discovery systems were, whether that was, you know, a list of collections on their website or whether it was searchable or not or a database type thing. And yeah, they were just, they were all so different that you kind of had to like get into the mental space of, okay, (laughs) I'm, you know, working with this archives now. I have to, these are the steps I have to take to Right. You know, copy and paste the information. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, and I, and I did it differently almost every single time, too. And that's when I got to the end. I was um, like, oh, <clears throat> that was smart of me. <laughs> um, I know one thing you did pretty early on, for which I was extremely thankful, is um, at least one of our, our, our colleague institutions has a list of collections on their website, but it's not terribly searchable. Mm-hmm. without a great deal of work and you went through and actually picked our topics and went through their collections and added them to whichever topic you thought appropriate yeah so i think when it got to that, and i maybe the kind book, of, you divided that up yeah we divided it up right and um that was a huge time saver for me <laughs> yeah yeah it, it was for me too yeah yeah just to be able to look at that list and see what they had was yeah. really useful So let's talk a little bit about going back to the grant side of things, Mm -hmm. because this was a grant application. It wasn't something that we did in our normal time. Well, we did it within our normal time, of course, but we offset salary to working on this. Um, Maybe you can talk a little bit about why this needed to be a grant and and then what you went to to get that actual funding. Yeah, so um, it just, it was something that, simply wouldn't have been a priority for us had we not been able to get the funding. We were working with a number of different institutions. Um, Typically, our work focuses on our collections, and our priority has to be our collections here at UAA. So being able to get a grant really allowed us to partner with those other institutions to, to make this work and to be able to kind of compile guides to the different uh, collections related to these various topics. Yeah, I think that's one of the one of the one of the challenges, of course, is because not everybody has necessarily staffing or has staffing at any given time. And I think we were we all thought it was a great idea, but for a lot of institutions who are incorporated into this end result. This wasn't something like you could go to them and say, tell me everything you've got on, because they just simply didn't have the time Mm -hmm. to compile that list for us. So this was a way of hopefully mitigating some of the costs to our colleagues, I hope. I know with at least one institution that I used a lot in one of my guides, they actually didn't even have any staffing for Mm -hmm. the period of time of the grant. Thankfully, they had an online catalog, so I could search it for myself, but... But there was simply no way that anybody there could have done anything because there was nobody there. Mm-hmm. 
I don't know what that meant for access to those materials, but hopefully that wasn't too problematic. They have somebody there now, so we're all good. <laughs> and hopefully they'll take a look at this at some point and say, um, yeah, no, you shouldn't have included this one or you forgot to include these three. Yeah, I got um, a pretty good response from most places yeah. that I contacted. Um, there were a few institutions that didn't have any sort of tools and I contacted Mm -hmm. them and a few of those institutions didn't get back to me. Right. Just simply did not respond. And you have to assume that they probably didn't have time and or staffing. So yeah. yeah. Which is always the struggle I suppose for most of us. Yeah. So regarding the application process, Mm -hmm. um so this kind of process started about two years ago. Mm -hmm. Um we came up with the idea for the project and you actually mostly worked on the original application <laughs> which was unsuccessful <laughs> uh, right and and they came back and said that they couldn't fund it I failed um, and so the next year I volunteered to rework mm-hmm. the application um, using some of their feedback and um, so we originally applied for double the amount that we ended up getting but we made really good use of of the funding we were able to get um, I think we exceeded the number of guides that we were projected to produce. So it was a really good outcome there. Yeah, the the application process, you know, it included writing up like kind of an abstract of the project, going into the the impacts on outcomes that were that the state wanted to meet. Um, right. We should probably clarify this was a Institute of Museum and Library Sciences, which is federal or a, a national uh, federal. Institute of Museum and Library Services. Yes. Thank you. Sorry. I get that wrong every time. I know. I have to write it down here. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's it's a federal granting agency, and this is a grant run through the Alaska State mm-hmm. Library under the Interlibrary Cooperation. It's an interlibrary yeah. cooperation grant. So the framework is already set up is whatever your grant project has is it has to forward the aims of interlibrary cooperation in Alaska. So Which the, I think ours did pretty well. well. Yeah, I mean, I, it, it provides a context. So writing up, a, you know, why why does this project uh, further the goals of interlibrary cooperation? I had to get letters of support from um, institutions that we would likely be partnering with mm-hmm. to get their input on the collections to be included and then writing up a budget, um, mm-hmm. which was pretty easy for this since it was just the time that me, you, and Veronica would spend. Um, what I felt complicated about that wasn't so much the, you know, kind of out the, obviously no supplies were needed, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. We didn't have to worry about that. But it was trying to come up with estimates for the time each one would take. Right. Um, because they were seemed so variable to me, and sometimes it's hard to predict. Mm-hmm. And in some cases, be... we, like, vastly misestimated. Uh, yeah, my um, legislator's guide. How much time it would take. Uh, I think that was one of the things, just how much time the project would take in general. Mm-hmm. Because the hours that we actually spent doing the project were less than we anticipated Mm -hmm. we were able to get more guides done than we had originally thought Mm -hmm. so we um had planned for 10 
Right. Um, and we did 12. And we did 12. But the actual, I think we overestimated the amount of our working time mm-hmm. that we would be able to devote to the project. Right. Um, yeah, I know you were nagging me badly so, a couple of times. <laughs> it ended up um, <laughs> that uh, we, and a lot of, some other things happened, like the earthquake happened. Yeah, we, nobody there, was predicting that. Um, yeah. During the time that, that we would have been working on the guides. Um, so that kind of disrupted everything. You know, the project was delayed a little bit just because, yeah, we <laughs> we just thought that we would be able to devote more of our working day. It, it is to... one of the it is one of the challenges of trying to do a grant project, I think, with people on site instead of hiring people to do it. I mean, sure you end up with a little extra time managing somebody who's not in your normal stream of management if you hire plus the hiring process and everything else. I mean, salary offsets are great. Everybody loves them. It's money the university doesn't have to pay us. That's paid for by somebody else. But at the same time, it's us making decisions about what will get done mm-hmm. within our time. And this was not part of our normal workflow, certainly, other than on reference when we answer these questions. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we point people in other places. Yeah, so that was a little bit of a... It, it, it's. I think one of... I think it's just typical of grant projects is if you're going to have the salary savings by offsetting payroll to a grant thing, you also have to think about the time lost doing other things. And and things like the earthquake really, really were not part of our mental framework when we were planning our time. I honestly thought for some reason, I don't know why, that it would be something I'd have an easy time doing while I was, say, on the reference desk because I thought it would be interruptible. And then I got into one of them and realized, Mm-hmm. No, this is not an intro. This is something I have to focus on. Well, yeah, because of how some of the the catalogs or collection lists are set up, it's hard to go back to the place that you left, left off. off yeah, so that definitely made it a little bit difficult. Um, That's true even for our own website. Yeah. Thankfully, some of these, we already kind of had pre-existing guides to our collections on certain subjects, mm-hmm. so we could just make sure those were up to date and yeah. <laughs> use those as our starting point. So was there anything you think you learned? I mean, I mean, your final report isn't done yet. We've, 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 ex- we've expended the money. Um, actually that reminds me before I go there, um, let's talk for a second about, so we got the funding, but we only got half of what we asked for. Maybe you could talk for a second about how we then said, okay, we can't do everything. Mm-hmm. So what do we do? So we kind of ranked the topics by priority and the way we chose which things took higher priority uh, and which things were lower on that list was um, kind of the volume of questions that we get regarding those topics and also whether there were already kind of similar older lists already in existence, statewide lists already in existence. So I know like Gold Rush was one of the topics that ended up being lower priority because um, the state library already had a list of Mm -hmm. collections and, you know, that might not be... a few years out of date now, but it's, there's still a starting point. Mm -hmm. Which I think we also had hoped 
although this didn't come true, we were thinking about doing one on surveys and surveying Mm -hmm. in Alaska because there was a separate attempt to possibly do that. That never came to fruition. So had I known that, I might have actually bumped that one a little higher on the list, I think. But it's, it's tough to predict. So there were a few things already in the works that we hoped would be carried out. It's kind of funny because... A number of years ago, I started and then quit and then started again. The original guide that's up on that site, and that's the one to where the papers of the governors mm-hmm. over Alaska are. And that actually came out of a reference request from uh, two professors here at UAA who were doing some research on um, gubernatorial pardons. And so they were trying to get a sense of where all the governor's papers are. Well, obviously, the governor's official papers, the office papers, are, are mostly at the state archives, mm-hmm. except for the territorial period, which kind of hops around. So the majority of like gubernatorial collections that are in, say, our holdings or the University of Alaska Fairbanks holdings tend to be the kind of stuff around the edges, whether right. it's campaign or stuff like that. That one turned out to be kind of our... Are what I was using as kind of my placeholder. This is what they might look like, although I was kind of interested to find how different they became very quickly because I don't think almost any of ours follow the same structure that we did. No, it just kind of depended on the topic and like whether that topic could be broken up into smaller chunks mm-hmm. um, because the way that the live guides are set up, you can have a page with like multiple sub pages to mm-hmm. it. So sometimes like for the uh, military in Alaska mm-hmm. uh, guide, I broke it up by, you know, pre-war, World War II, mm. and then post-war right. because uh, often we get people looking specifically for World War II or we get people looking more for a time period. Right, Cold War. Cold War, yeah. Least. yeah. Um, so that one was broken out by, you know, kind of subcategories um some of them because the pages just got to be so long (laughs) yes um some of them got broken out by institution right like with the governors there's you know a finite number of governors yes right that was a pretty easy list to work (laughs) on you know we're a pretty young state so it's not as long as some states (laughs) but you know with some of the other topics it was easier just to break them out by by institution. Yeah, that's what I ended up doing with performing arts, which if I'd really had my preference, I would have preferred to do by genre. Mm-hmm. You know, is it dance? Is it music? Is it whatever? But then I found myself getting into the weeds of jazz dance. And where does that go? And are you actually going to put it in both places? Does that go in music? Does that go right. in dance? Or something like one collection we have, which is the Anchorage Concert Association, which of course covers all of them. And how do you do that? Yeah. So institution made the most sense at the, just for sure. It was too long to have them. One document mm-hmm. had to be divided somehow. Yeah, um, I think for... But mining... really just lent itself so beautifully to a topical arrangement. Mm -hmm. It was easier to divide that one that way. Yeah, and I think for the railroads, Mm -hmm. I divided it out based on the railroad. Oh, yeah, so geographically, basically. Yeah, so the Alaska Railroad and then the um, Copper River and Northwestern Northwestern. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, all of the other ones. All of the other ones, and quite a few smaller ones for more limited periods mm-hmm. of time. Was there anything? Because I mean, if this was really kind of your first, so far as I know, I think so, a kind of attempt at at not only applying for but managing a grant, which is can be considered to be a, a bit of a challenge since you weren't just managing yourself; you were managing your alleged department head. <laughs> <laughs> You know, um, was there anything you learned from the process you think that you would take on to applying for a different grant doing something else? I think that certainly taking into consideration, especially with a project like this where, you know, the people who I'm working with are who are working under me are, you know, going to be working on this project. Right. The, the regular staff are going to be working on this project and and there's not going to be someone hired, I would definitely try to think how much time are we actually going to be able to devote to this. And then I think I would probably, while the grant is, the grant work is being completed, you know, try to do like weekly Mm -hmm. check-ins so that you were very gentle about your <laughs> nagging, by the way. I should say it was, it was pointed, but it was it, it was pleasant. Oh, good. <laughs> I'm glad. <laughs> I was trying not to be too nagging. Yeah, but, no, no, you, um... you did just enough. <laughs> just that edge of guilt making me feel like, oh yeah, <laughs> very subtly done. <laughs> yeah, you know that that is. A challenge, and the one delay I wasn't really thinking about because I'd done one or two. We'd done the canal pipeline because Veronica had gone, mm-hmm. gotten an, uh, a UAA grant um, from the Canadian Studies folks, um, the Elizabeth Tower um, endowment, to do one on the canal pipeline. Was you know we'd put some up on the um, state library's electronic doorway sled, which is where the home was going to be, and I hadn't really thought that they were, we actually caused some work to those poor people in a yeah. couple of directions that I really hadn't thought about ahead of time. Now, since they were also kind of the granting agency, you would have hoped they would have taken that into account, but that's all right. <laughs> but they were term, very helpful. They were extremely helpful. I hadn't realized the lengths to which they had to go to meet um, ADA compliance. Mm-hmm. We all wanted to support that, but I... I guess because we've done so many of these on our own site and we've just, we've done some basic stuff. We actually didn't realize that a lot of that was not ADA compliant and they were being, I mean, thankfully had a lot of resources to say, here's how you do it. Here's what you need to do. That style of data entry isn't going to work. You're going to have to do it this way, Mm -hmm. which I have to admit when I started constructing some of those guides, I was really struggling with the software because what I thought should be simple wasn't always quite that simple and rearranging things there were a couple of times I just deleted everything and started over because I couldn't figure out how to rearrange it in any meaningful way or or quickly anyway I actually found it easier they have an option to uh, reuse sort of the structure of Mm -hmm. a particular guide you can choose you know the guide that you want to reuse the structure for and I found that incredibly difficult to do right um so I, I just usually ended up starting from scratch. scratch yeah. <laughs> and we, I think we had all kind of hoped we were just going to be able to reuse the structure because that's what we do internally. But ours were, ours aren't generally just one page and one right. listing. Yeah. They weren't these subdivided things that I think mm-hmm. provided a little more 
little more challenged structurally. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was, that was, and even trying to figure out within the greater sled site, you know, they have this history resources page where we knew these were going to live, mm-hmm. but do you clutter that up with random entries for these primary sources guides, or do you kind of have to put them together and put that over here yeah. and, and going through those discussions? Which was kind of, which was what ended up happening. There's now a, right. a page on the history resources page, a subpage right. for the primary sources guides. Right. And I think that's perfect. Mm-hmm. We just didn't really think about going in that that's what we needed, that that just mixing them in amongst their existing resources probably wasn't going to yeah. be our best answer. So, yeah, we did create a little work for our colleagues in the state library, but they were kind. They did a beautiful job of it, and they were very responsive. I know, mm-hmm. at least when I asked questions, yeah. they were super responsive. So that did delay us a little bit, I think, because we were initially planning to have some of these done last fall, pre-earthquake. Right. <laughs> and that just never really seemed to take effect. Yeah, I think the first ones ended up going up probably early this year. Yeah, I want to say it was like January, February mm-hmm. area. We still have some topics we haven't done. What are you thinking? Is that something to go maybe for some additional funding? Do you think you want to see if we can try and fit those in as we can? Some are big. Some aren't so big. Um, I don't know how much of a challenge they'd be. Is there some other grant project you'd rather go for at this point? Um, I think maybe taking a little bit of time to see how these work and to okay. see if we can learn anything from you know, how people are using them. Right. We really haven't had that feedback time yet. And um, and then possibly going for another grant later on to finish out the topics that we'd like mm-hmm. to do. Because there are some some other ones. Certainly the mapping and surveying one right. that you mentioned would be really great to, mm-hmm. to have. Um, we do get people in here looking for surveying data and... Um, right. I think I think maybe because as as wonderful as that gold rush one is, it is it's bigger than primary sources. It includes right. a lot of other research resources. I think maybe maybe one that's primary sources only that could be looped into that. Yeah. Um, that one and, and that's updated because a lot has come in mm-hmm. since that thing was created maybe two decades ago. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's been a while. Uh, I would also like to perhaps see one on either together or each one separately, ANCSA, the Alaska Native Claims Settlement Act, mm-hmm. ANILCA, the um, the, the land, uh, the park, basically the Parks mm-hmm. Act, and then D2, which are all kind of related on our guide. They're all mixed together. Right, because they all a lot deal of our... with land claims issues. Right, right, in, in one form or another. Issues. Yeah, and and to be honest, most of our collections touch on more than just one of them. Right. So uh, that was an easy merger for us to do. But something like that, yeah, I think it would I be don't... Kind of... Was that one even on our original list? I... Oh, jeepers, it might not have been. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I just see. I'm now adding to the original list because you know. I'm not sure. I don't. I don't have the original. I don't. I want. I don't want to say. I don't think it was. I also don't think Exxon Valdez oil spill was on there. No, I don't think so. There is an extant one that was done a few years back um, by the state archives that I think is probably a pamphlet uh, that the PDF is of their website, but that was also done well not that long ago, but. 
I, I'm wondering if a revisit, because I know we've gotten some things in since that one was done, and our guide to our own collections is bigger now on on the, mm-hmm. the oil spills. So that one would be kind of that interesting line. to revisit. There's some of those that where there have been things done in past that I think would be cool to revisit at this point. Uh, I'm trying to think of, yeah, there's there's just so much because we get so many so many requests on so many different topics on a daily basis. And it would be actually, what I kind of like to see, here I go talking, I'm supposed to be letting you talk, <laughs> is, is if somebody could maybe bounce off in a different direction for this. Okay, so now we have this set of a, a listing on these various topics of where a lot of collections can be found. Non-comprehensive, other people have more, and hopefully they'll let us know so we can get those added in. Maybe more of a kind of that meta level. Okay, so I'm researching petroleum development in Alaska. How do I have to think about these resources? How do I even go start to find them? Yeah, there's this list, but how do I read a finding aid? And what does that finding aid look right. like? You know, or if they're not currently on the list because whoever the institution is for whatever reason, wasn't able to contribute at the time and hasn't been able to since. How do I know about them? Who else should I try? It's kind of this more general level, overarching yeah. level. I don't know. I don't even know if that's possible or if some of that is covered nationally. Right. I don't know if that could be something that could be, if it's like specific topics, Right. if that could be added to the guides yeah. later. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I'm really looking forward to seeing how these things are used, if they're used, if people find them useful. I know generally if the archivists start using them, they'll start pushing them out right. to researchers and then yeah. they'll get used more. And I know like they've been featured like in the State Archives puts out a Friday bulletin mm-hmm. every Friday and um, they've been featuring a new one of these guides each Friday. Mm-hmm. So hopefully that is... Um... It's reaching the librarians, at least, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, that's cool. Um, I'm so grateful they're doing that. And and it's not just a be aware of the resource that exists. It's a little more than that. There's description and then mm-hmm. even some sample collections from um, different institutions. So yeah, they've been doing a really good job with that. I think the ones that they're featuring on the Friday Bulletin are mostly the State Archives collections that are featured. Oh, they've within... featured us a few okay. times. Okay. They've caught us a few times. Yeah, it's it's. I think they've been bouncing around a bit more than that. But I, I have to admit, when you see that go by on that bulletin, which is actually the whole LAM department, Libraries, Archives, and Museums puts that out. And I see something we've done. I, I tend to gloss over reading the full extent mm-hmm. of it because, oh, I know what that is. Yeah, yeah they've been... <laughs> Which is bad. They've <laughs> I been should read the whole thing. featuring a new, a different one of our, of these guides um, pretty much every week. Yeah. Or every, every few weeks. And I think certainly some of the archivists that we work with on the project know about it and right. hopefully are are using it i hope so and hopefully we can continue to do some pr ourselves mm-hmm. on behalf of them yeah i have a blog post in the works oh right okay. and there was one that um just went up on the northwest archivists blog oh right right um, we'll have to look so, that. um yeah, yeah i just I forgot you wrote that that effort <laughs> it's okay <laughs> i read it i swear i read it at the time i just spaced it oh. such as my brain um 
assuming um, we do or don't continue on that grant funding or otherwise, as you're looking around, is how did you, how did, I mean, coming out of this is, do you feel like, you know, I can apply for grants? Yeah. I'm comfortable I with this so. process. I think so. Um, just like thinking about some of the other things I'd like to see get done. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I know we have some larger collections in the back that haven't been processed and or not beyond box level. Yeah. Um, it might be worth looking into some funding to, to get some of those a little more described um, right. and easier to use. Yeah. It's always that challenge. Um, because we do have to fit everything in and yeah. then, do, you know, sometimes with, with like a processing thing, it might even, it might be easiest to actually hire somebody yeah, else. Um, for sure. Unfortunately, in uncertain economic times, it's usually preferable to offset salary because that allows you to stretch out your existing, existing budget a little further. Um, so yeah, looking, looking for some funding for those larger processing projects that are going to be maybe a little bit more difficult for us to yeah. to tackle unless they're really a priority based on funding. Right. Or researcher request. Or researcher usually, request, yeah. That's usually what gets us about the fourth time you've had to go through 15 boxes to find out if there's anything that has to be controlled for access and you just decide that, no, you need to describe this and have that information available. But nothing, nothing immediately in mind in the pipeline for the next year, I guess. <laughs> the next little next set of granting cycles. Um, you know, if there were a way that we could get a grant to mm-hmm. develop some more teaching resources, I would mm-hmm. love to do that. Right. Um, I know I'm already working with one of our other library faculty to kind of develop these, but if there were a way to take that further. Mm-hmm. And, and and I think that's something I'll look into. Mm. Um, yeah, one of my, related to that, I mean, one of the challenges, of course, we teach when faculty request it. Mm-hmm. No problem. I mean, we love to do that. It's brilliant. But we serve a fair amount of distance students. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's hard to feel like you're doing the distance classes much service, especially with a collection that so much of has to be used on site. Right. And are there even like small teaching tools where we could digitize limited materials that could be used for just one assignment, mm-hmm. if not the major project of the of the class? Yeah, like digitizing some documents or photographs or a combination on a particular topic relating to a particular topic, and then kind of having the students do like a primary source evaluation. Right. Or um, I know one of the classes that uses us a lot is English and their history of the English language. Right. They could look at different documents and see the language variations between between the documents mm-hmm. and yeah that would be cool that'd be a lot of fun um, in terms of teaching resources i'm thinking like how do you use your archives uh, and, okay. um something, something even more basic something even more basic because i know that's something that we've you know we do our we do our instruction sessions in person but we don't really have a lot of resources that they can refer back to. Right. Yeah, building up that support. Mm-hmm. I get it. Exactly. That would be cool. All right. Well, you know what your next project is. <laughs> now we just have to find a funder who matches uh, yeah. up with it. Yeah, that's that's been kind of the, the challenge is 
trying to find right. someone who supports those type of types of projects. And to also, I mean, in a reasonably sizable institution like this one, sometimes you, what you run up against is not finding the funder, but making sure that you're not competing with anybody else at the other institution for the same pot of funding. I mean, obviously there's going to be some of that happening, but, you know, you, we do have to have these conversations when we identify a funder, at least within the library sometimes, depending on the funder, to say, okay, how much are you asking for? So worst case scenario is, you know, your your dean applies for something and you apply right. for something and he gets turned down and nobody wants to be in that situation. <laughs> At least I don't. I, I, mean, I don't know about you, but <laughs> that's really not a conversation I want to have. So no. <laughs> <laughs> that would be embarrassing. Yeah, it's identifying the funding, making sure what's accessible. I mean, there's a lot of funding out there. Unfortunately, it seems to be less and less every year. And I mean, I've been so grateful for like the ILC grant. They don't pay a lot of overhead. There's a limit to the overhead that can be charged to it. It's not one of those where you have to come up with matching funding. Right. You know, because there are a number of grants out there that you have to put up the mm-hmm. same amount. And if we had that kind of money, we'd probably be halfway along the way. To exactly. <laughs> and, and we aren't. And I have actually, I had one grant app that I totally did. I had it all prepped and ready to go. And I finally looked at the numbers and realized that we didn't need that much money to do the project, that we had sufficient money in our matching funds. <laughs> so, like a day before the grant was due, I got a call from our grants and contracts person because she'd spent a fair amount of time on it too. And she was like, so are you going to turn this in? And I was like, um, no, I discovered I didn't need the money. And she was, she was like, oh, <laughs> I don't oh. think she'd ever heard that before. <laughs> I was like, well, I crunched the numbers four different ways and I cannot justify asking for double this amount on this project. Right. So, you know, it was just, that was a hard one. That that was, you know, because when you do have a pot of money, sometimes you like to see if you can use that to build mm-hmm. on that. But in this case, I just couldn't. That was just really embarrassing. Thankfully, she was gracious about it and Good. continued to help me after that so anything else you want to say about the project anything you learned anything Um, i don't think so i mean except just to thank the institute of museum and library services and um the alaska state library for their generous funding of this project yeah yeah i think i think these will be useful i think these i think so help a lot of researchers and let's just hope now they can find them and that we can get them there Yeah, and a huge thanks to everyone at the other institutions that we worked with, everyone at at UAF and the State Library and the um, Anchorage Museum Mm -hmm. um, for all of their hard work. And even, I mean, a lot of those people individually wrote letters Mm -hmm. of support support, for the initial grant app, and that was just, I think that helped sell it, frankly, to the granting agency for us to say... This is something we need to do. Cool. All right. Well, thanks for interviewing. (laughs) (laughs) All righty. I think we're good to go. Thanks for joining us for Archiving AK. This has been part one of our July doubleheader podcast. Part two will be an interview with Veronica about her recent grant work.